Well, as Chris mentioned, we got to have a little bit of a theme running through the, uh, our lessons this week. That's the plan anyway, uh, as for us to uh, learn from the scriptures things that we can do as we prepare ourselves for heaven. And we have looked at the idea that if we're going to be preparing ourselves for heaven, we need to properly receive the instructions that are found within God's words. We looked at the idea of the parables that of the lost parables in Luke chapter 15, that in preparing for heaven that we are going to be seeking the lost so that we can take others with us. And we looked at the role and the responsibilities of working with and for the church as we prepare ourselves for heaven. Tonight, we're going to look at it from the idea of being rich in good works. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, we'll start in verse 11. Paul writes, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Well, there is a lot that we can unpack in just these few verses. To look at the responsibilities that we have toward ourselves toward others, and toward God in living soberly, righteously, and godly. When we look at what we see in verse 14 and the lessons that we could think through and could, uh, could turn in other passages of scriptures and remind us of the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ, but all of that for a goal so that he can purify for himself his own special people. Heaven has been, it's been stated that Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And when we look at that idea of Jesus purifying uh, people for his own special uh, use, and then see the qualifying description, that, that description there at the end, zealous for good works, that's the idea that we want to look at tonight, is how can we see from scriptures what we ought to be doing as we're preparing ourselves for heaven. Most of the translations uh, of this verse 14 would say zealous for good works. And, and I hope that you understand or maybe have learned before that the idea of being zealous, it comes from the word zealous, zealous, which is the idea of boiling over. It has a, a fire aspect to it. It is, it is burning. It is hot. Well, that's what's being used to describe good works. In fact, one translation renders this on fire with good works. So we're living our lives here upon this earth. We want to be individuals as we are preparing ourselves for heaven. We want to be people who are on fire with good works. And so as we go through the scriptures, I hope that you'll be thinking and be asking yourself, am I on fire with good works? Let's spend just a little bit of time thinking about some examples of good works that we find within the scripture. And of course, we're not going to go very far at all looking at examples that we're not going to see the ultimate example, the greatest example of Jesus Christ. 
And I'll remind you of what we see in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all, the, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter is talking to the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And as he's given this kind of summary, if you will, of, of the life of Jesus, so he doesn't go into a great uh, description, doesn't give all the details that we find within the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus here upon this earth. But as he is telling Cornelius and his household about who Jesus is, he gives this excellent description. He was one who went about doing good. Now, Peter mentioned healing those that were oppressed by the devil. But we also remember that Jesus raised people from the dead. We remember times that are described within the gospel accounts where Jesus forgave the sins of individuals. We can remember the times when Jesus fed multitudes, thousands upon thousands of people that he fed. We know of examples and read of times when Jesus was teaching his disciples. Even when the Jews were ready to stone Jesus, in John chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of these works do you stone me? They were ready to stone him, and he's trying to figure out, Why in the world do you want to stone me? Which of these things that I've been doing? I appreciate the prayer reminding us that Jesus faced temptations. But he didn't sin. And as we think through this aspect of Jesus' life and the good works that he was doing, he's trying to find out, you want to stone me? You want to punish me? You want to oppress me? Well, for which of the good works? I've shown you many things from my Father. Well, we know that Jesus is not the only example of good works. There's many that we can turn to. I want to remind us of a, a dear uh, example found in Acts chapter 9. The, uh, the, the lady Dorcas. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, the, Luke tells us at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. She's remembered for all the good deeds, all the benevolence that she had done. My wife and I had an opportunity just earlier today to go and to uh, take part in a graveside memorial service for a godly woman. And it became very clear that that's the way she was remembered of what she did for others, that she took care of the needs of others. She made sure that everyone was fed, everyone was taken care of. And that's the way we see here in Acts chapter 9 with Dorcas. An excellent example of good works. Let's go through just a few other passages of scriptures that, that remind us of this responsibility that we have. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us for good works. That's the purpose for us being here. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and verse 8. Verse 1 says, 
remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Verse 8 goes on and says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Peter says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. One more, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 16. Very familiar verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, it's not hard for us to figure out. In fact, it would be difficult for us to deny the responsibility that we as children of God have to do good works. That's what we're created for. That's our purpose here on this earth, is to do good works. By doing good works, we, like Jesus, can show glory to our Father. And so, what are these things that we ought to be engaged in? We have this description that good works. Well, what is it that that means? Well, I want to show at the very beginning some things that are not good works. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning of verse 19. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, Paul writes, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and the like, of which I tell, you, I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to understand that the works of the flesh, the things that pertain to this life, the things that are listed here, and things like them, that's not good works. That's not profitable. Adultery, murders, drunkenness, jealousies. We understand what all of these things are. We don't have to take the time to go through all of these individual words and define for them. We understand what they are. What I want us to understand tonight and make the connection is that's not good works. If we're involved in any of these kinds of things, we're not preparing ourselves for heaven. We're not doing good works because these are works of the flesh. These are not good works. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me begin reading in verse 4. In particular, we'll point out verses 8 and 9. But beginning in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, let's make sure we understand that the works that we're uh, talking about here are works, things that we would come up with, ideas that we would say are, when we do these things, God owes us salvation. That's not what he's talking about. Not of works that lest anyone should boast. Not something that I can go and say, oh yeah, look world, at all the things that I'm doing, God owes me because I'm doing all of these things. That's not good works. That's the works of men. That's the things that mankind is coming up with. Those are not the good works that we need to be engaged in so that we can prepare ourselves for heaven. We turn back to the book of Galatians, and we see there is another aspect of works, works of the law that are not good works. Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. This was a big problem with the Jews. They wanted to look and say, oh, we're the seed of Abraham. We have Abraham, our father. Jesus told them, look, we can raise up from these stones. Descendants of Abraham. That's not as big a deal as what you really think it is. And especially by this point in time, as Paul writes the book of Romans, he writes in Galatians, and we see all the book of Hebrews that the old law is done away with. And so anybody that is looking to being justified by the works of the law, the law of Moses, well, Paul says, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Even those that were doing their very best to keep the law of Moses. Those faithful men and women that were doing that, they were not justified by the law. They were justified by Jesus Christ when he came. And by the time Paul wrote this, Christ had died, been buried, rose, and ascended back to the Father. And as such, fulfilled the law and the prophets. And so these are not good works. These are not the works that we're talking about that we, need be, that we need to be engaged in if we are preparing ourselves for heaven. Well, okay, great. Now we know what is not the works that we need to be doing. So what then are works that we ought to be engaged in? Well, Titus chapter 1 gives us some insight into this. In Titus chapter 1... In verse 16, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Well, if those who are doing works that deny him disqualify, I hope that we can understand kind of the, the opposite. The inverse of that is that, well, then works of obedience works who are confessing God 
They are the good works. Not the disobedient, not the disqualified, but the obedient, the qualified. Those are works that can, that we are, be, that we are to be doing to prepare ourselves for heaven. Let me give you another description of the works that we're talking about found in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 20 and 21. Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The good works that we're describing, the good works that we ought to be engaged in, that is preparing ourselves for heaven, are works that please God. Works that God is looks at us and is pleased by our actions. Things that are, well... In accordance with his will. And to that point, we can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and see that we need to be engaged in works that are authorized by Almighty God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are designed so that we can know what we need to do. We have the authority from God of the things that, that we are to be engaged in. What's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For doctrine, what is right? That, that is authorized. For correction, what is not right? The Bible tells us those things. It tells us what is right. It tells us what is not right. For reproof, or for correction. How to get right. And for the instruction in righteous, how to stay right. We have this authorization from God. We have it all laid out. We have the perfect law of liberty that is what defines for us the works that we ought to be engaged in. And so with that, I, this, I think we can go through and look at even more scriptures that give us even better indication and some more applicable ideas of what kind of works we're talking about. It's one thing for us to say, yes, we need to be obedient to God. We need to be pleasing to God. We need to do what God authorized. But what are some of those things? And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where we need to think very practically about the actions that we need to be engaged in. So, let's make a few applications of these. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy says in uh, verse 9, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she had been the wife of one man 
well reported for good works. Where have we seen and heard that description? We saw that of Dorcas. They, were, they remembered the things that she had been engaged in. Peter said that about Jesus, that people knew that he went about doing good works. Here is the widow that can be taken into the number who is well reported for good works if this is where we see our application. This is where we get some real insight into what some personal applicable concepts are for good works. If she's brought up children. If she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. The raised children, it may or may not have been her own, but she has been involved in bringing up and nurturing children. If she's lodged strangers, People passing through. People traveling through. Are, are you known as someone that, that has an open spare bedroom for someone that needs that at that point in time? This is what we see of the widow who is engaged in good works. She's lodged strangers. She's washed the feet. Now whether this is Paul saying literally has done that or whether it is in uh, some kind of uh, a figurative sense and, and shown a, a humble character. This is who is being described as having good works. The humbleness, like Jesus said of his own disciples. As Jesus washed the disciples' feet to submit himself and expected them to submit themselves and humble themselves before others. Relieve the afflicted. This woman is ready to furnish relief to those that find themselves in distress. And we look in and think, okay, well, is there anywhere in our lives that, that this can be seen in, in, in us? Do you have some children? I see lots of kids. Are you bringing them up? Are you just letting them go off and do their own thing? Do you see the responsibility that you have that that's a good work? Raising children. Fathers not provoking your children under wrath. But bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that's a good work. We need to be engaged in that. We need to be on fire for good works. You know, with the, the advent of hotel, motels, and things of that nature, uh, this practice that we've seen uh, in times past uh, kind of has dissipated. But there are still opportunities where we can lodge strangers. There's interconnections and such with, with individuals. And, and we learn of people that travel from here, there, and yonder. Are we the individuals that are known that somebody could come and knock on our door? I'm traveling through. I need a place to stay. Uh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so told me, gave me your address and phone number and such. Oh, come on in. I'm happy to help you with that. Now, I'm sure that there's not a whole lot of 
literal washing of feet. But I hope we, I hope we as Bible students recognize what's being described and the character that needs to be shown in that. The humbleness in that action. These are things that we see within scriptures. So very practical applications of being rich in good works. Well, let me show you another. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 30. Uh, let me start at verse 35 and, and we'll read through uh, several verses. Matthew 25. In verse 30, uh, let me start at verse 30. Or, or, I'll start at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Prepared. Hmm. That's what we're talking about, being prepared for heaven. <coughs> for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We look at this list here. Being hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, in prison. These are things that we're familiar with. We know what it's like to be hungry. Are we feeding people? Are we giving them food when they are hungry? Thirsty and you gave me drink. Are we engaged in these things? The sickness, the stranger, the naked. House burns down. Family loses. Are we rich in good works to try to help them and supply them with clothing that they would need? Perhaps for their children to go back to school? TJ's already listed in our in the announcements tonight. Those that are sick and 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 the the the, the response is in need of, of prayer. And certainly that we need to be engaged in. Praying for individuals. But did you notice? I was sick and you visited me. Now whether it's a literal visit. Knocking on the door to check on someone. Or a phone call. Or an email. Doing what we can. To assist those that are ailing was in prison and you came to me that might not be as uh, as literal uh, today uh, partly as what I would understand the, the rules and the restriction it's not just the easiest of things to go walk into a prison and such it can be done don't get me wrong and if you can do it that's a good work I know gospel preachers, I know of congregations that do that on a regular basis. They are preaching and teaching in the prisons. But prison could be somebody that's 
in some dire circumstances, being held captive by other things. You came to me. The idea is to be involved, to be there for other individuals. And notice that in doing these unto the least, he says, you've done it unto me. Righteous were questioning, when is it we saw all these things? And Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. One more. 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Again, we're looking at practical applications, things that we see within the Scriptures of how we can be rich in good works. We can be on fire for good works. And what does that look like? Well, like I mentioned earlier, many times in the Apostle Paul's letters, the second part, the second half of the letter is practical in nature. And we see that same thing here in the last part of this first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. We're looking at the idea of being rich in good works. As we are making preparation to be in heaven. Storing up for themselves a good foundation. May lay hold on eternal life. What did he say in the previous verse? To do good. Be ready to give. Willing to share. That's a generous person. That's somebody that would be described as willing to give the shirt off his back if that's what you need. It's very similar to the idea presented in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41. If you're asked to go a mile, that you go two miles with that individual. This ready to give. I think of Barnabas as he's described and illustrates for us in Acts chapter 4. Having land, he sells it. He's ready to help out. He's ready to give. He wants to share of what he has with others. And so we think about our own lives. We understand what the scriptures point out for us. Of these actions that we ought to be engaged in and involved in. So we just ask ourselves the question. Are we on fire with good works? Zealous for good works. How are we seen by others? Remember our life is to be safe, uh, to be out doing good works so that others would see within us and give God the glory. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to give up? When we look at the scriptures, it makes it very clear that first and foremost is Almighty God. Second is our neighbors. We're last. 
That's the humble attitude. That's the character of a Christian. That's the character of someone that is preparing themselves for eternal life in heaven. Does that describe you? I realize that this lesson has not gone through the the steps of salvation. We're looking at the actions of a child of God, a, a Christian. Someone that has done what is necessary to have their sins washed away. They've repented of their sins. They've confessed their faith in Christ. And they have been baptized and are now living the life of a Christian. Maintaining and being rich in good works. Preparing themselves for heaven. But if you have done that in the past and you realize I'm not on fire with good works. Maybe you've slipped into the idea of what I'm, I can gain for myself. Not willing to share with others. Not willing to give. Not willing to take care of the needs of others. We need to think very seriously about where we find ourselves. And we need to realize that if we're not involved in good works, when we're not rich, when we're not on fire with good works, we're not making preparations for heaven. There may be those who are honest this evening that need to render obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, or there may be those that, that need to confess of sin that you have in your life. You realize that this is the point in time, this is when you have. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're looking at an idea of making preparation for something that is yet to come. We, looked at the, uh, we talked about the idea of making preparations for trips and, and planned adventures and such that, that's going to be uh, in the future, Lord willing, that, that we want to be engaged in. We might have a checklist of things. We might have some things that we need to get done. I'm here to remind you, this is not something that you can say, well, I'm going to do this two weeks before the adventure. I'll do this three months before the adventure. I'll do this six months. This is always a right now. If there's a change that needs to be made, now's the time to do it. Don't put it off. And if we can assist you in some way, we would like for you to let your desire be made known as we stand and sing to encourage you.